Well, this morning I'm excited about what God has for us over these next several weeks. I've encouraged you to pick up a copy of The Circle Maker by Mark Batterson, um, or either this or pick up the Praying Circles Around Your Children, or there's a couple other resources that are in the series of the Circle Maker series. And we are asking you to, to do that, and we're looking at the idea of dreaming big, praying hard, and thinking long. It's kind of the tagline on the back of the book. And we're, we'd say that because really what this series is, it's a series about prayer. It's a focus on prayer, praying around our greatest dreams and about around our greatest fears. And it may change your vocabulary a little bit, but I believe more than that, I believe that it's going to take us to a different place to pray differently in our lives and for our families and for what God has for us. I mentioned last week that this book, uh, last year I read it and just dove into it, and, and uh, probably top three books in the last five years for me. It's challenging, it's motivational, uh, it's inspirational, but the end game for us is that we are believing that our faith would grow and it would move us to our promised land, to the things that God has put in our hearts, the dreams and the desires that are inside, both individually and corporately. Now, the book is based on some insights from a true legend of a guy, his name is Honey. And you say, okay, Honey, that's an unusual name. Well, Honey was a first century Jewish sage whose prayers saved a generation. And if you've picked up any of the copies, the, the story of Honey is right at the beginning in all the different resources that come with the circle maker. Now, let me tell you the story to make sure that we are all on the same page. It was first century BC, the generation right before Jesus came. And there was a devastating drought across the land. It threatened to destroy the generation before Jesus. They were, they were gonna die out. The last of the prophets had died off 400 years earlier. Miracles were a distant memory. In fact, some uh, Bible commentators said it was a false memory where the people of Israel started to question, did God really do all the miracles early on in the New Testament? God, he was nowhere to be heard. It was kind of a dark age for the church and for the people of Israel. But Honey dared to pray anyway. He took a six-foot staff and he turned like a compass into the ground and made a circle. He stood inside the circle, actually dropped to his knees, raised his hands, and he prayed this prayer. He said, Lord of the universe, I swear before your great name that I will not move from this circle until you have shown mercy upon your children. And he stood there. A prayer without a hint of doubt, with authority yet humble, and rain began to descend, a sprinkle. But Honey wasn't satisfied with a sprinkle. He prayed again. He said, not for such a rain have I prayed, but for the rain that will fill cisterns and pits and caverns. And he was there, and he prayed, and, he, and it's like a sent a shock through the crowd, those that were there. And all of a sudden, a torrential downpour came down. In fact, it was rained so hard that the people ran to the temple. But Honey stayed there in the circle, and he prayed one final prayer. He said, not for such a rain have I prayed, but for the rain of your favor, blessing, 
and graciousness. And that prayer became one of the most famous prayers in Israel's history. And it saved the nation, saved the generation before Jesus would come. Now, why would we be studying a prayer like that? It's really, a, it was found in a book of legends and uh, believed to be true. Because a prayer like that, that idea of circling and saying, God, I want you to move. I'm going to stand here till I move. It helps us grow in our faith. And I believe it'll move us to our promised land. Now, last week, we talked about the promised land in the Israelites' journey out of the deserts and on their way to the promised land, they stopped in the city of Gilgal. And if you weren't here last week, I want to encourage you to get online and listen to the message because there's powerful truths found in the story of Gilgal. But Gilgal became a place of God's blessing. And Gilgal was a preparation uh, for becoming a circle maker. In fact, at Gilgal, God rolled away the reproach of Israel, the disgrace, their identity that had been uh, really beaten up in their past. And they celebrated, we talked about last week, they, they uh, performed circumcision for all the males, and they celebrated the Passover as well. And what it was, it became a celebration or a preparation of the heart. All that preparation for Israel to do circles around Jericho. Now, I want to pick up in the story. We looked at Joshua chapter 4 and chapter 5 last week. I want you to turn in your Bibles with me to Joshua chapter 6. And we'll pick up the story there. And of course, it's the story of the the battle at Jericho. And uh, the children of Israel were on their way to the promised land, but Jericho stood in their way and listened to what the Word of God says. It says, now Jericho was tightly shut up because of the Israelites. No one went out and no one came in. Then the Lord said to Joshua, see, I have delivered Jericho into your hands, along with its kings and fighting men. March around the city once with all of the armed men. Do this for six days. Have, priests, have seven priests carry trumpets of ram's horns in front of the ark. On the seventh day, march around the city seven times with the priests blowing the trumpets. When you hear the sound of a long blast on the trumpets, have all the people give a loud shout. Then the wall of the city will collapse and the people will go up, every man straight in. Now, I love this story. This is probably one of the most famous stories, maybe because it was the first battle after they crossed over the River Jordan. But I believe it's most famous because it's so unique. When I was a kids pastor, we had all kinds of fun around this, this, uh, this story. I want you to picture a fortress, walls six feet wide, 50 feet high, a 12-acre city that seemed to be untouchable. Jericho What God promised them, that he was going to give them Jericho, seemed like an impossibility, that it was going to be too difficult. But what did they do? They didn't look to to, to bring battering rams in, or to scale the walls, or to cut off the water supply, or to shoot flaming arrows up over the walls. What God called them to do was to circle the city quietly. And what did God do? 600,000 soldiers circling a city 13 times over seven days. Now, church, when you read this, you've got to understand that there was a battle 
going on before the battle at Jericho. There had to have been a battle going on in the mind of Joshua, saying, God, you've called us to circle six times and on the seventh day to circle seven. Are you sure this is a good plan? Is this really the best idea to go out without, uh, without swords and spears? There may have been a battle in the Levites and the priest's minds carrying the Ark of the Covenant saying, we're going to circle the city all these times with the Ark of the Covenant? They can destroy us right as we, or as we go around. What about the soldiers, the 600,000 of them? Do you think there may have been a doubt or two in their mind as they walked around day after day after day after day after day after day and on the seventh day, not once, but seven times? Can you imagine what that might have been like? Can you imagine the women and children saying, I'm not sure this is a good idea for their husbands and their boys to go and to circle the city? What's going on? And you know what? There's a battle going on. And you know what? There's a battle going on before the battles that we face in our minds as well. The enemy would love to speak into your heart uh, doubts concerning, well, that your husband will come around, or that your kids will make it, or that your illness will go away, or that your job will be secure, or your finances will be restored, your schoolwork will be done, your friendships will be restored. There's a battle in our minds, but you know what? When God calls us to move forward, we can move forward in confidence, and that's what the children of Israel did. Let's look at verse 15 as the story continues. It says, On the seventh day, they got up at daybreak. They got up early and marched around the city seven times in the same manner, except on that day, they circled the city seven times. The seventh time around, when the, when the priests sounded the trumpets, Joshua commanded the people, Shout, for the Lord has given us the city. Now on that seventh day, they were out and they were marching one time, two times, three times, four, five, six, even seven times and nothing has happened. Church, there's not only a battle before the battle, but there's another battle right before breakthrough. Eric mentioned that someone's on the verge of breakthrough in their lives. And I believe that's a word for someone here this morning. But there's a battle before that breakthrough. Listen, the children of Israel didn't walk around that seventh time and then wait for the earthquake or for the walls to crumble. They blew the trumpets, they shouted, and listen to what verse 20 says. As they did that, when the trumpet sounded, the people shouted, and the sound of the trumpet, when the people gave a loud shout, the wall collapsed. And so every man could charge straight in, and they took the city. Sometimes there has to be a victory shout to break through to what God has for you and for me. There's a battle going on. But at that moment, for the children of Israel, as they charged into those city walls that had been cr that crumbled right before their eyes, you know that they felt at that moment that there was nothing impossible with God. They were moving forward in confidence. They were ready for all the victory that, that God had. And my prayer is that you are ready for all the victory that God has for you. 
Now, there was a history for Israel leading up to Jericho. And it's interesting that our lives, there's history in our lives as well. There's a backstory, so to speak. 400 years had been prophesied that, they, that the Lord had a land for, for the Israelites. They were in Egypt at the time, living in slavery. They went through the 10 plagues. They crossed the Red Sea. God provided for a million people in the desert every day meat called manna. They crossed the River Jordan. They rested at Gilgal, the final preparation. And then they circled Jericho. And I want to talk about circling Jericho. As they circled, they were trusting God to do the impossible. It was unheard of. It was unprecedented at that time to circle in prayer quietly, believing God to do something great. That's what circling prayers is all about. That's what becoming a circle maker is about, trusting God to do something great in our lives. We see it in Honey's life. He believed for something so big, he put a circle in the ground and said, God, I'm not going to move from this circle till you bless me. Wow. Joshua circled the, the, the walls of Jericho saying, God, you are in control. You are going to help us do something great here at Jericho. And church, we can believe for something impossible to happen in our lives, in our families, just as well. I believe it. Now, there's some principles in God's Word, some highlights that Mark Batterson in the book kind of bring. And there's a couple, too, I want to focus on, kind of the premise or the groundwork for the next couple weeks as we dive in to the Circle Maker book. First, God is looking uh, for circle makers. God is not offended by our bold prayers. And the first thing I want you to know is that bold prayers actually honor God. And God honors bold prayers. You say, well, why is that? Why does that? Well, you know, because non-bold prayers, you don't need God. I was thinking about it this week as I was preparing. Uh, Jessica and I, for the first time in a couple years, we just redid our budget, and there was a little extra wiggle room because Jessica's working full-time now. And so I get a $10 per week or per pay period. So twice a month, I get $10. We call it blow money. That means I can do whatever I want with $10. And some of you are like, good for you. <laughs> Hey, it's exciting for me. We haven't had blow money in a long time, all right? And so it's kind of a new thing. And I was thinking about it. If the Lord put it on my heart to give away $10, it wouldn't take a whole lot of faith to do that. Would anybody uh, like to receive $10 this morning? Just as a matter of, you know, saying, hey, you know, yeah, I'd, I'd like that. Uh, only like two. Really? Would anybody want? What's that? You want to take my last? You, you will take it? She don't want the first. Well, Eva, Eva here, she's like, yes. She was in first service. She's here just for this, obviously. I saw you first service. I'm going to give you $10. And just because you're sitting by Wendy, someone, it was funny. I was going to give $5 each service, but I said I was going to give away 10 the first and then I had to give the $10 away. Someone gave me 10 Someone else gave me 5 So, Wendy, we'll give you this 5 and you guys are blessed. Amen. Well, I, I know that. But how many would agree that it's not hard for me to do that? 
I didn't need to spend a whole lot of time in prayer saying, God, can I do this? Can I? It, it's extra. It didn't take a whole lot of faith. But if God put on my heart to give away $5,000, anybody interested in that today? You'd be standing up in line saying, how do I get a piece of that? I would too. But the Lord didn't tell me that, so we got to keep on moving on. But you understand? Bold prayers, they honor God because bold prayers require God to be moving. And God honors those prayers. The second thing I want you to know and I want you to write it down, it's kind of a premise for what we're doing here, is that there's nothing God loves to do more than to keep his promises, to answer prayers, to perform miracles, and to fulfill dreams. Now, I want you to read that on the screen there and internalize that. Do you believe that? That that's what God is all about? That's who he is? That's what he does? The bigger the circle we draw, the better. Because God gets more glory. Mark Batterson, in his book, he says, the greatest moments in life is where, when human impotence and divine omnipotence intersect. In other words, when we do what we can do as humans, which is limited, and the supernatural comes in and intersects, God, that, those are moments in life to look back and to say, wow, look what God did. And I've got many moments of like that in my life, and I pray that you do too. When the impossible happens, a loved one that you've been praying for gets saved or comes back to the Lord. When the impossible happens, addictions are broken, marriages are restored, jobs are saved, forgiveness is given, and reconciliation is possible. Financial miracles. This is what we live for. This is what we pray for. And I believe, I'll speak it prophetically, that God is ready and able to do the impossible in your life and here at the Gateway Church. But in order for that to happen, our mindset must be that God is for us. Let's say that together. God is for us. He's for us. He's not against us. But if you don't believe this, your prayers will be small and timid. You'll go through life. But if you believe that God is for you, I believe your prayers become prophetic, a picture of your future. Who you become is determined how you pray. If there's no miracles happening in your life or you're struggling, I believe that we can refocus our prayer and trust God in a different way. We can draw circles around the things that we need. And this morning, I want want to tell you, Where does that start? It starts by answering the question that God would ask, what do you need God to do in your life? What is it that you are standing in need of? I I believe that you're here today because you want God to do something in your life. You're not here to see me or just to sing some songs. We are here to meet with a God who is able to meet us. What is your need that only God can do? Now, that's a hard question to answer. It's not something that you just kind of rolls off your tongue automatically unless you've been really thinking and praying through that. And we also got to be careful that when we start saying, okay, I'm going to pray for, for what God, I want God to, to do in my life because 
we could take it to an extreme and it can become like, well, there's this formula, you start circling it and all of a sudden God answers. Or it's like Jesus is a genie in the bottle, you rub it a little bit, you do this, or you transcript or you say the following things and all of a sudden you get miracles. And that's not what we're talking about. If you go online, there are actually people that have criticized this book and even criticized the story of Honey. And, and, uh, and you know what? I call those circle maker haters. <laughs> and, and on anything, you can find people that will be against what God's word says. But God's word is so true that if we call upon his name, he will answer us. So circling prayers or praying circles, it becomes an attitude of believing in the power of focused prayer, resulting in God doing something impossible in our lives. Let's look at Joshua chapter 1, verse 1. It's the beginning of the story when God called Joshua and told him some specific things that Joshua had to believe and he had to walk out. Let's look at it. Joshua chapter 1, verse 1 says this, After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the river Jordan into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. Verse 3, he says, I will give you every place where your foot set, or where, you're, where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Now, it's one thing to hear a promise like that from God, but Joshua had to move on that. He had to be active in that. He couldn't just wait around and let the miracle happen. He had to move forward. Joshua carried out God's command. I love what Luke chapter 11, verse 9 says. It says to ask, and it will be given unto you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and the door will be opened to you. Luke 11.9, it has a little rhyme. <laughs> I remember that from kids' church. But it kind of begs the question, how big is the God that you serve? And if God were to ask you, what do you want from me? What would you say? In Matthew chapter 20, there's a story, happened right outside of Jericho, interestingly enough. 2,000 years after the walls of Jericho tumbled, Jesus was coming out of the city with his disciples. Let's look at verse 29. And Jesus and his disciples were leaving Jericho. A large crowd followed them. Two blind men were sitting by the roadside when they heard Jesus was going by. They shouted, Lord, Son of David, have mercy on us. The crowd rebuked them and told them to be quiet, but they shouted all the louder. Lord, have mercy. Lord, the Son of David, have mercy on us. And Jesus stopped. And called them, and he asked, What do you want me to do for you? Church, everyone around there knew what those blind men wanted. The blind men, they knew what Jesus was capable of. I believe Jesus knew what those blind men needed. But he still asked the question, What is it? that you want me to do. To identify the need, the want, to be crystal clear. When we look at that, we look at Matthew 6, that says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. What that means is that we don't make a list of the things that we 
desire, we want a new boat or a bigger house or we want, uh, you know, something like that. What we say is, God, whatever you command me to do, like Joshua, whatever you promise for me to do, I'll move forward in that. God, your command becomes my wish. And what do I wish for you to do? The blind men, they received their miracle that day. If you read on, they said, we want our sight. We want to see. And Jesus touched them. And this morning, as we can identify what is it that we want Jesus to do, we can identify what our Jericho is, so to speak. See, over the next four to five weeks, you need to answer that question. And if you don't, you kind of miss the point. You and I need an encounter with the Son of God, just like those blind men on the road. And Jesus, when he comes, he's going to see you, and he's going to say, Shane, what do you want from me? Joe, what do you want from me? Rebecca, what do you want from me? Shannon, what do you want from me? What is your Jericho? Because I believe Jericho represents different things to different people. For you, it may be a healing of cancer in your body. For you, it may be the prayer for your kids to be saved or to come back to the Lord. It could be reconciliation of relationship. It could be provision. Your Jericho may be a zip code, your neighborhood. It could be a, an amount, a specific amount, number to get out of debt. This morning I wrote down in my notes, $23,422.78. And I have no idea why I wrote that down. Other than the fact that if you're in debt, you need to be specific and say, you know what, I need to know what it's going to take to get out of this mess. And then to start circling that in prayer, saying, God, you can do it. If you did pick up the book, Praying Circles Around Your Kids, um, Mark Batterson talks about circling your kids in prayer. So for me, I've circled my daughter, Reagan, and my son, Logan, and I've circled my wife, Jessica, as a priority to be specific and to pray blessings into their lives. Again, God, your command becomes my wish, my will. God, this is my desire. And I believe that those types of things, some incredible things start to happen, not in a planning meeting, but as we are in prayer with God. Maybe a prayer meeting is what God would like to do. And so I've got an assignment for us. And I realize that there's different levels of time in your lives, but I'm going to say from the youngest here to the oldest here, whether you're working or you're in school or you're retired, I'm going to commission you that from now till Easter, that you would take a day or at minimum a half a day and get away to pray, to get alone with God, to be quiet before Him, change your scenery, change your perspective, and I want you to take a journal with you, something you can write. And I want you to start writing down some of the dreams that God has put in your heart, some of the things that you are believing God to do in your lives, to identify what is your Jericho. 
Now, I know what some of you are thinking. You're saying, okay, you don't know my schedule. I don't have time to take a day out of my schedule. Let, let me challenge you with this. A day off, even without pay, would bear more fruit than working. One day, I'm asking that you would do this because I know it would change your perspective and your trajectory of your life. I understand that not everyone will do this, but for those of you that do, that craft out a day, when you get home today, look at your calendar and say, okay, from now till Easter in the next six weeks, when can I spend some time to get away, to be alone, away from the kids, away from the family, to listen to God? I know God will bless that. The second thing I want you to do is on a daily basis, as you're going through the Word of God, as you're reading through Scripture, I've been doing this over the past couple months, circling the blessings of God, or not the blessings, but the promises of God in Scripture. As you read Scripture, no matter what kind of reading plan you're on, though I've not counted them all, but I've uh, understood that there are over 7,000 promises in Scripture that we can take to the bank for our lives. Those promises weren't just for those in Bible times. Those promises are for us. God is the same yesterday as He is today, as He is forever. And so start circling those promises and standing on those truths for your life. And I believe the result that we will pray with more specificity, more consistency. We'll start praying circles around our biggest dreams and our greatest fears. And I believe God is going to take us closer to where he has us, to our promised land. I want it for you. And more than that, God wants it for you individually. Now, corporately, I want you to be praying for four things as well. And I would like for everyone to, to write this down, or if you don't write it down, you can get online and listen later. There are four things that I've identified to be praying for together. The first thing I'm praying for, and I'm asking you to pray with me as you pray over these next four to six weeks, is to pray for revival. And when I say revival, I'm talking about souls to be saved, people to be discipled, transformed lives in these next six weeks. Revival to touch us here at the Gateway Church. That's number one. The second thing is we talked about this over the past couple weeks, is we are, I'm praying that we would start to circle, not only that God would hit us with revival and touch us with the, a sense of revival, but that he would provide for us in the way of property. We've talked about this facility here, 8,000 square feet, or um, second service. Uh, it's interesting. We've talked about this as less attended here, but in the back, it's more attended. And uh, either way, to continue to grow, we believe that God has something larger, and uh, our vision is to, to, for continued growth, and we need another place. And so whether that's building on the property we have, or God would move on this property where we are now, where we could add on, or uh, there's a couple other options that we're, we're seeking out, but we are praying that over these next six weeks, that, there, that God would emerge the idea that we can move forward with confidence. 
And I pray that as we circle that idea and we pray together, I believe that God will make it clear his plans for us at the Gateway Church. Amen? The third thing is I'm asking that you pray for the staff here at the Gateway Church. Because you know what? When God starts moving, the enemy starts to attack. And we understand that. Pete and Deb need our prayer support. Bonnie in the office, Penny, our worship team, worship leaders. And then I also want you to be circling in prayer for our future staff. A year and a half ago, the Lord gave me a 10-year strategy of growth and a structure for growth in staffing. And I'm praying that God would continue to lead us down that path, that God would continue to help us to discern his timing and his will and provision and all those things. And so be praying for our staff. And then the fourth thing is we want to be praying for our community. And it's really your community, my community. Where I drive, I need to be praying to circle the places that I visit, the gas stations, the grocery stores, the, at, the, at the gym, the guys I play basketball with. I'm circling the community that I am able to touch. And I'm asking you to be conscious and circle the community where you go and where God has you and where God is leading you. And what I, will, what I believe will happen is that your life will begin to infect those around you, and it will draw people to the master. People will want what you have. They'll see God moving in your lives, and they'll say, man, I want a part of that, and I believe that's how the kingdom of God continues to grow. So, you just gave you a whole lot to think about. I'm challenging you first to take a day, a half day at the minimum, to do a prayer retreat to get alone, just you, your Bible, and God in a journal and start writing out your greatest dreams and what God is putting on your heart. Second thing in your own personal life, to be circling those promises. And then I'm asking that you would circle with us, that you'd be praying for revival, for our property, for our staff, and for the community that you are touching, which really is the Gateway Church touching. And I believe as we do that, God is going to help us to achieve the impossible. We are going to see the walls in this city tore down, walls in marriages broken down, walls in finances tore down. God is going to provide supernaturally over and over and over. And I'm thrilled to be a part of that. Would you stand with me? and bow your heads and close your eyes. This morning, I've given you an assignment. And as you consider the reality of taking a day or half a day at a minimum, or you consider going through Scripture and start circling some promises, or standing with the church and circling some of the things that we just described, the enemy I know is putting words of doubt, no doubt. (laughs) He hates it. He would hate the fact that you would leave here focused, saying, God, I'm believing for big things in my life. 
But that's the attack of the enemy. And this morning, I want to pray for a hedge of protection around you physically and around your mind and your spirit, that God would help you to do the things that we're talking about this morning and to see the fruit that comes from that. But before we do that, with every head bowed, eyes closed, I want to give an opportunity this morning for you to surrender your heart to Jesus. If you're at a point in your life, you're saying, I am tired of doing it on my own. And God, I want to put my trust in you. If you're here today and that's you, would you just slip up your hand right where you are saying, boy, that's, that's where I am. And if that's you and you're not away from the Lord, I'm glad you're here. But today is the day of salvation. Yeah, thanks. Who else this morning would say, that's me? That's me. I'm not going to call you out or single you out. I want to pray with you. Amen. You can put your hand down. Anyone else this morning? There was one gentleman this morning and one gentleman this this, uh, second service. Let's pray with them and trust God to do a work in their lives and in their family. Lord, I pray right now that you, the saving God, would intervene in this man's life. God, that today he's drawing a line in the sand and he's saying, today I choose to serve you. I surrender. I give up, Lord. I don't want to do it on my own anymore. And God, no matter what kind of past, no matter what has happened before, God, today is a fresh start. And God, we thank you for your miracle of salvation in our lives. And now, let me get your eyes on me just for one more second. This morning, when you leave here, grab a calendar and look for a time to get away. I pray that God would challenge you in your spirit to do that. And I realize that some will walk out and just forget about what we've talked about and, uh, and come back next week and be like, oh yeah, but don't do that. Find the time and let's start becoming circle makers together. Amen? Amen? Amen. Let me pray a blessing over you. Lord, I pray that you'd bless each person here. Lord, that you'd go before us, behind us, and around us. Help us, God, to become all that you want us to be. Lord, we pray it for your glory, for your honor. In Jesus' name, and all God's people said, amen. Amen. amen.